Today, I'm talking with human resources professional Pat Bell about courage and honest conversations. And throughout our conversation today, we celebrate the role of the human resources professional. Pat shares a little bit about honest conversations, and I am reading her words now. I tell people we have emotional hot potatoes. Do you remember the game? The thing is, is when you have a hot potato, your instinct is to get rid of it. And so we have emotional hot potatoes because we have a situation that we're dreading. The way you get rid of an emotional hot potato is your plan. And if you have a plan, you get rid of the emotional weight and dread and create an opportunity for honest and helpful conversation. But if you hold on to that emotional hot potato, it doesn't hurt anybody but you. And then she's talking to the leaders here, to us leaders needing to have these conversations. And then she goes on to say, and then you become resentful that you have this emotional hot potato because you didn't plan how how you were going to address the situation. And then you get resentful with the employee and it has nothing to do with the employee. It has to do with the confidence and decision-making of leaders. So we resent our employees sometimes that they put us in, in a position to talk to them about something that makes us uncomfortable. And that's where the courage comes in. The leader has to raise their hand and decide, I'm going to do whatever I can to take care of this challenge. I want the employee to know that I want to help them manage anything that's getting in the way of them being their best and their best performance. And that includes bringing things to their attention in a timely way so that we can all sleep at night. Today, Pat and I discuss important leadership issues. We talk about human resources. It's a very lively, she's highly energetic and lots of fun and honest. And I know you're going to enjoy the conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. As Michael Sher, you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, and my name is Susie Price. Here at the, our podcast, we cover everything related to helping you and the employees in your organization build a high commitment, low drama, wake up eager workforce. Bottom line, we want to help you in your organization make good decisions about your people. We want for there to be engagement, enthusiasm, involvement in the work and the workplace. We want to add to and create Wake Up Eager Workforce, Wake Up Eager Life, Wake Up Eager Leaders, uh, Wake Up Eager Teams. And with that whole idea of I'm enthusiastic, I want to be here. This is a good use of my time and my life and my energy and my talents. And I just get jazzed about creating that kind of work situation, which bleeds into our life situations. It's just very important. So thank you for tuning in today. This is my joy to create these types of conversations and to share them and with hopes that it is helpful and uplifting and, and practical and all of that together. In the podcast, what we do is we provide tools, tips, and expert interviews for the entire employee life cycle. So we talk about hiring, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, and conflict resolution. And so I'm excited to bring to you episode number 90. The title of it is, is Human Resources, Champions of Courage. And of course, it's with Pat Bell. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her background in a moment, but we're going to cover human resources and courage. Pat talks about finding your center. We're going to talk about having honest conversations and how important preparation is. We're going to talk about create, how to create 
psychological safety. We talk about self-awareness and nonverbal communication. And along the way, we're celebrating human resources and role awareness. To find the show notes for today, there's some links that we talk about. You can go read the transcript. You can just look at all of our other episodes. But to go directly to this episode, you would go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash HR Courage. And HR Courage is lowercase one word, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash HR Courage. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about Pat, and then we'll jump into our discussion, which I know you're going to enjoy. Patricia Bell Burnett is a human resource professional of 30 years. I probably met her 20 years ago when I first started my business. We connected here in Atlanta. Um, She is driven to assist organizations and individuals reach their fullest potential. Her greatest joy is working with leaders and employees to create a thriving company culture of success. Uh, Most recently, she was the Director of Human Resources and Diversity at a national nonprofit, and currently she's working with ExxonMobil as a leadership development human performance trainer. She likes to be both strategic and practical. She also is just very high energy, as I mentioned when I started. Lots of fun, just a joy to talk to, lots of charisma, uh, lots of care, lots of passion. I know you're going to enjoy it. She is, uh, has training certifications with Franklin Covey's programs, Multipliers, Four Imperatives of Great Leaders, and then different leadership training programs for civil treatment of leaders. And then she's a DDI certified facilitator and delivers uh, many of their programs, including one called Creating an Inclusive Workplace. She is married uh, and has three adult children. And she said her favorite new role is being called Lala, which is a great, I'm going to be a grandmother uh, at the end of this year. So Lala, that's a cute grandma name. Had never thought of that. And her grandson's name is Jackson. So that's fun to know too. Let's go to the episode now. I know you're going to enjoy it. Well, Pat, it's so good to see you today. When I knew we were getting on a call, I was smiling this morning. I found myself involuntarily smiling because of your energy and your happiness. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Susie. I'm excited to share this moment with you. Awesome. We're going to jump right in. You talk about human resource professionals these days more than ever need to be champions of courage. So that's the title of today's talk is HR Courage. It applies to leaders. It applies to any position where you're dealing with people, but we're particularly focused on the role of the human resource professional. Why is courage so crucial for human resources leaders and all leaders today? Absolutely. Well, I find the more I know, the more I need to learn. And as HR professionals, we feel many times that we're prepared for the day because we know all the laws. But the reality is our work world continues to change at a really a breakneck speed. And if we just look at the recent events with affirmative action and the court decisions and state decisions around DEI and employee engagement and employee demands, we have to have courage to stay in the game and to keep finding ways to creatively lead and be with our leaders through these times. So I think um, you think about COVID, you think about hybrid workplace, you Mm -hmm. think about all the social pressures that you're talking about, social issues. And one of the things I saw in some of your work is you talk about it, it would be easy to get faint hearted, (laughs) you know, to kind of like, oh, shy away. As you said, I'm just going to pay attention to the laws and not deal with all this other kind of Maybe the word that comes to mind is squishy stuff, you know, that's Mm -hmm. difficult to navigate. Talk a little bit about how you navigate 
what some of the characteristics are of somebody who has courage and just kind of go into some more guidance on what you're seeing and what you recommend and what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think, especially when you've been in HR for a while, we always get to have decision points where we say, do I want to become more of a specialist or do I really want to stay and be on that strategic end? When you say, yes, I want to be at that table, that means that we have to have courage to continue to learn and to challenge ourselves and to challenge our own biases that we have in our own way that we problem solve. Because the way that we used to solve problems, even five, 10 years ago, it doesn't work today because people have choices. And so in order to really be courageous, I think the first thing we have to do is find what I like to say, we have to find our center. We have to have compass moments where we say, you know what, I need to get grounded. I need to make sure I'm aligned with my own personal values because we can't be good leaders in the workplace if we aren't doing a good job understanding what motivates us, and what's going to get us through these uncertain times. So understanding our purpose, our center, I call that our compass moment, and then being willing to have honest conversations with our leaders. We don't have to have all the answers, but we have to be willing to be great listeners, and we have to be willing to ask the sometimes pretty challenging questions. So let's talk a little bit about finding your center. What are some things that you do or have done over the years? Because you've been in human resources for how long? Over 30 years now, hard to believe. Okay, so we need your guidance. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about what I do to find my center because I do, I think you're so spot on that that's where you start. You know, that's why I appreciate you so much. We're so in sync. Oh. Um, but that is, you know, you have what you bring yourself to, to the work you do. And so yourself needs to be centered and you need to find your compass and your language. What are some things that you've done? What are some things you've recommended that other people do? What are some of the tools? Let's just talk about that. And then we're going to talk after that about honest conversations. Mm, okay, great. Well, I think the first thing is, We have to not only continue to learn, but we have to willing to immerse ourselves with other individuals who are walking alongside our journey, as well as who have walked ahead of us. And, you know, I love to watch other, listen to podcasts like yourself and other thought leaders. We have to be willing to challenge our own mindsets and to recognize that it's easy to get into a rut of our own thinking. I love listening to Liz Wiseman. She put out a great book called Multipliers, and it really challenges how we bring our energy to work and whether we're really creating other individuals who are dynamic in the workplace or if we're zapping their potential because we're keeping them under our thumb of how we think they should work in the workplace. So connecting with new information that's out there, it's just a different perspective of how we approach work, people, and decision-making. And then I can never and I'll never walk away from my faith. I mean, there are days, literally, Sunday night for many professionals is a sad evening. After dinner, you're already thinking and dreading work. And it shouldn't be that way. We spend so much time, but it's honest. But if we go back to our center, and I think, you know, about the one conversation I had with an employer or leader where I know I made a difference and they have more courage. I know it's worth it to get back out there. And so my faith and just asking really for the strength to be a light and not to be so concerned about my own discomfort, but be out there in my purpose, making a difference. It, it re-energizes me. Absolutely. 
So you, your faith. So is that for you? Does it the practical ways that shows up is is it reading spiritual material? Is it prayer? Is it daily meditation? What is it for you? You know, I'd love to say it's daily meditation. It's daily prayer, but it's usually the uh, rescue me. Oh, God, please help me today. <laughs> not always so, as purposeful as they should. Yeah, well, but th- that's purposeful because you're recognizing feelings, you know. Oh. I think that's a piece of it. You know, okay, if I'm feeling a little panicked about this, so I'm going to recognize it and I'm going to, you know, in a spiritual term, talk about surrender it or or if you're, you know, it, we're different path, many paths to God. So, you know, or to mm-hmm. spirit, you know, but so, so I'm going to surrender. I'm going to acknowledge how I feel and then look for support. Is yes. what I hear you saying. Absolutely. And you know what? I had a great opportunity to go to a gospel concert last night and I took some friends with me and I said, let's just go get a spiritual bath. And it's just me and my thoughts and my purpose and just being covered in it was it's so energizing but that and when I have a difficult day ahead of me I have a great playlist that makes me go in to feel like a warrior and um and it and it's not hype it's truly where we focus is where we perform and so I keep those positive messages it's so important I love what you just said where we focus is where we perform or how we perform yes Perfect. absolutely yes. thank you for helping yes me. Work that. Let me write that one down too. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good. You didn't even know that wisdom was coming out of your mouth. <laughs> you know, and it is that, you know, I, I think about uh, some people in my family that I love very much and they're younger. And, uh, you know, sometimes they call because I will listen and there's a lot of complaining going on and that's okay. But I'm also trying to nudge them in a gentle, loving way to say, what are you doing to fill your tank? What are you doing to fill your tank? Are you listening? I mean, and it's different for everybody. Some people, mm-hmm. it is going to be prayer in a gospel concert, which I love gospel concerts. So I could, that's uplifting. Or some other people, it might be taking a walk or some other people, you know, whatever it is, are you doing that on a daily basis? And I think we shortchange ourselves as humans because we think we don't have time to do that. Yes. And really, we don't have time not to because, yeah. you know, we start our day, but if you don't have enough, in our tank. And I remember you asking me those questions when I was going through some challenging times in my career. We just run out of steam because we didn't take the time to prepare up front, you know, just like an athlete. They wouldn't dare compromise their sleep and their eating habits because it's so critical that they're able to perform at those moments that they've been planning for. Our days should have, you know, that similar rigor and commitment. So I'm still working on that. How I feel, my I'm I'm still working on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we all are all the time. But it's mm-hmm. so interesting that when I don't, when I let that slip, I notice the days. You know, I notice. Oh, this day was a little rocky today. You know, so I think maybe reflection at the end of the day too. How did today go? That's one of my things. Is I'll type. I have a a day one journal on my iPad, and while my husband has car shows on. While we're trying to go to sleep or before we go to bed, he always has car shows on. But I'm like, I love cars and I love you, but I don't really want to watch that. So I'll sit in my day one journal because I'm on my iPad and I can at least be sitting with him or be with him and and type, you know, okay, here's what I appreciate about today. And that really works too. It's a funny thing that it's at the end of the day. And then if I don't have a lot to appreciate, I can think, okay, well, how did I get here? How come I don't have good things that happened today? <laughs> you know? Yes. 
Absolutely. You know, we talk about ways we fill our tank and certainly spiritually is good and being grounded and surrounded by people who also are seeking a purposeful life. But my husband will sometimes say, you seem kind of grumpy. When's the last time you went to get your hair done? And I'm thinking, what's wrong with my hair? And then I go, oh, yeah, I haven't for a while. And something as simple as going to hair done or something as simple as a pedicure and a manicure. It's amazing how pretty fingernail polish makes you feel better. Simple, simple things that can just, you know, give you yeah. a, a deep breath and help you to look at things from a, a different perspective. I love that you point that out. Self-care. Self-care. Um, yes. Yes. And, and putting ourselves as a priority, knowing because that's how you started. You said, okay, how am I going to find courage? I'm going to find my center. Mm-hmm. And so whatever that is for you, we're encouraging you to f- do that. And it may change from day to day. Yes. And week to week. I love that. Okay. So we're going to find our compass. That's going to help us have courage. And then we're going to have honest conversations. Talk about how you've honed that skill. You're To me, you're really good at that because you're funny and you're energized and you care a lot um, and you're, and you're willing to be honest about how you feel and think. I mean, that's how I've experienced you, but tell me how you got there and how you help other people figure out how to have honest conversations. Interesting. I would say early in my HR career, doing training on how to give coaching conversations, it was always the thou shalt and the thou shalt not, you know, because this is the right way. And when you do that, it absolutely is going to work this way or it becomes punitive. Now, I think in having honest conversations, it's not about blame. It's about being honest and real about Here's how we feel about this situation. Here's why it's challenging. Now, where are some solution points that we can start at? And the other thing is, you know, recognizing that it's okay to be uncomfortable about the hard stuff. I think sometimes leaders, when they're preparing for difficult conversations, they focus so much on the employee and the message. They forget to start with themselves and say, why am I uncomfortable about this? What's the worst thing that could happen? And how can I prepare for this type of response. When we prepare, we are better situated to adapt. And then as I've grown in my career, I realized that having honest conversations isn't about correcting someone or or making them feel bad to change. It's about asking really good solution-based questions so that they can self-discover why they need to change. So I've changed from being trying to become a corrector or, or, you know, someone's going to rescue. No, you can't do that. We all need to find ways to, to become more self-aware so that we can lead ourselves and make good decisions. And so now I find that I have to sit back, listen, and ask for solution-based questions as opposed to being a fixer. And that takes time and patience. Ah, uh, so what's, what would be, how would you, what would be an example of a solution-based question? So this is a new skill that I just learned going through some training on my current role. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting way to put it. So I think, you know, one way we can look at having a, a challenging conversation with your coworker and you always blow up and you let that person trigger you in your unprofessional. So visiting with that employee, you could say, well, you know, why did you say that when you knew it was going to make that person mad? Instead, the question would be, so talk to me about your interaction, and how would you like to address, you know, your concern? How have you expressed your concern with that employee as opposed to, you know, putting them in the hot seat and making them feel defensive? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, let's help them to be more reflective. So it's guiding that conversation, guiding that and, and not giving answers. You know, like, oh, well, yeah, that person's a difficult person to deal with. No, we're, we all can be challenging. So what's a different strategy or a different way you could approach that person? You know, help them to be more solutions-based. What would you like the outcome to be of that conversation? What's one thing you could do differently that might help you reach that goal? So it's really helping them think more, not be not defending their position, but helping them along that way by really you're thinking out loud when you're asking solutions-based questions. Love it. Yeah. So it's like you are being curious, almost like a journalist. So so tell me a little bit about why that happened or how that happened. And then um, I like I like that one. I read this and I can't remember the book, but it was just a simple statement. It's like, and what would you like to have happen? Yes. And I do that with the family members that I was mentioning. So I try to like, so I hear the complaint, 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 like, well, what would you mm-hmm. like to have happen? And it helps kind of change the conversation. So I love that. Yes. So uh, what would you like to have happen? Which you just said, helping them to think more. And I, and the point that you made is really important is it takes time and patience. Absolutely. And, and it takes our willingness to prepare. I mean, it's not fair to the employee. And it's not fair to yourself if you go into a challenging conversation and you only took 10 minutes to prepare. You haven't even stopped rushing in your mind to to be present. And I used to work for an organization and they had a phrase, be here now. And I used to think, what in the world? But it was a commitment to eliminate distractions. All phones turned off laptop clothes. And that was back in the day when we had offices and blinds and people would walk by and, and wave. If you're having a, you know, if you're having a, a serious conversation and you want no interruptions, we had to close our blinds and we made a commitment. I'm here to listen to you. No other distractions. And it took work to do that because we're programmed. When we hear that ding, we think, oh, this might be a call I was waiting for. No, the most important thing happening right now is that person across the desk or next to you at that table. And we need to be here now. We need to focus. So to have the challenging conversations, we need to prepare. And it's not 10 minutes. How right. would you guide somebody to prepare? Is there, They're doing all the self-understanding. I think you've shared it, but mm-hmm. see if I miss anything. Uh, thinking about their self, you know, how they feel, thinking about how they're going to ask solution-based questions. They're going to uh, get rid of distractions and they're just going to kind of, you know what I find, see if you find this, it's like when people are ready to talk to somebody about something, there's a hundred things that they want to share. Oh, and, and you, you know, when you do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And it's like, okay, so that takes some preparation so that they can think about what's the one thing that would make the biggest difference. And that's most important right now. So that'd probably be part of the preparation too. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one way that leaders, um, get off track with these conversations is they apologize. I'm sorry that we have to talk about this. And all of a sudden that employee feels like a victim. So they're not looking for solutions. They're looking for that poor me. No, I'm here to talk to you about something that I think we're both concerned about. And I want to help you come up with some solutions that are going to work so that, you know, you can, you can be, you can thrive in your job. So I think being very clear, get to the point quickly Explain the concern, the impact, and then pause and and ask, so help me understand how you see this situation. Is this something that you've been spending some time thinking about? Tell me about that. 
we have to be careful about closed end questions and not, you know, yeah. I, I do that, you know, the car salesman sometimes, and this is something you want to fix, right? Good. We just had a great <laughs> conversation. No, we just had it. I already said what happened, but they haven't said what's going to happen. Yes. Exactly. And sometimes going into those honest conversations and those challenging conversations, we think as a leader, it's all about us saying everything we need that employee to know that we think about it. Uh-uh. We need to find out what were you thinking? What's behind that conversation? Why do you think you feel that way? And and to your point, what would you like to see happen? You know, yeah. what's your ideal situation of how this relationship should work? And then what can you do? What's one thing we're going to focus? There's lot, We can have other conversations. Let's just focus on one thing. How can I help you with that? There we go. And this, this is awesome. I love the way you opened it because, and I think that's part of the planning is having your opening sentence because we do get kind of anxious or we get triggered because maybe we're frustrated in this situation. So having that opening sentence and you, you stated it perfectly. So we're going to get that from the transcript of this podcast because it was perfect the way you said at the opening and then just the whole, whole manner of what you're talking about. So I can see why you're talking about this takes courage. It takes courage to have these conversations because what happens if we don't? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, if, if we, if we botch the whole conversation and we're not willing to stop and say, you know what, let's take a time out for a second. I can see that you feel very strongly about this. And I, I just want to give you a few minutes. We get very uncomfortable with silence. And so we need to make people feel comfortable to stop and think, because sometimes we have these conversations, we ask a question and an employee truly may not have even thought about it from that perspective, but they feel a need to give you an answer right away. And it's not the right answer. So we have to be okay with, with silence. And when those emotions start to rear and, and, and it starts to derail the conversation, it's okay to say, you know what, I can appreciate that you care a lot about this. Why don't we meet again tomorrow? Give you a chance to think about it. And reinforce, I'm here to support you. And I want you to be able to do your best. So I want you to think about our conversation so far. And then you can be prepared to come back and let's focus on some ways to get everything back on the right track. So we have to be okay with that. We we don't, it doesn't have to go according to the script all the time. The key is support, be clear, and make sure the employee has a chance to really voice where they're at and what they're feeling and, and what those issues may be. Yeah, and depending on the the employee's style, you know, you know the assessments that we worked on before together, and and how they're motivated and how they think and make decisions. Yeah, they may need more time. Yeah, yeah, yes. And it's funny because as leaders, we'll plan. We'll we'll. I like the word consternate, not because I use it all the time, but it's just that internal, you know, this churning and churning knowing that we have a conversation at the end of the week, because that's what we planned for, because we didn't want to deal with it right away. So we're churning all the time. <laughs> yeah. We're thinking about the conversation. When we talk to the employee, they are just hearing about it. And we expect them to have a response right then and there. That's not fair. You know, they deserve the same consideration. If it's truly that serious, be willing to invest the time. And you might have to have three conversations around it. That's okay. Put a time limit and tell them ahead of time. We're going to dedicate 45 minutes to this. And then we can have a couple more meetings afterwards because I care about the process of being able to to affect some change. But give the employee the same consideration that you already gave yourself because you scheduled your meeting for a Friday at four o'clock so you could go home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love what you say. Yeah. So we put it off like, okay, I'll do it on Friday. And then we've worried about it the whole time or thought about it and planned, which, you know, it could be worry and planning. It could be a way to set it up. It makes me think of an analogy I heard a long time ago, and I sometimes forget it. You've just triggered it. You know, when you're on the playground and it's that little, it's the round thing that has not powered, but you jump on, it's like a little merry-go-round and you oh, yeah. run around it and then you jump on and then you're going around and other people have to jump on. It's like mm-hmm. you're on that thing in the middle all week thinking about it. And so it's spinning and they can't get on. Yeah. And so they just throw them off into the bushes, you know, because they're like, what, where did this come from? Yeah, absolutely. You do. And, you know, I, I like to share another fun analogy is I tell people we have emotional hot potatoes. Do you remember the game hot potato? Yeah. We're, yeah. Really, well, we're showing, yeah. we're showing our, our Aj. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What was hot potato? You would you hot would uh, throw it so, and it, oh, and the buzzer would ring. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes, and it, yeah. But the thing is, when you get a hot potato, the first thing your instinct is to get rid of it. And so we have emotional hot potatoes because we have a situation that we're dreading. But instead of getting rid of it, and the way you get rid of an emotional hot potato is you plan. You put it in a bucket. This is my plan. This is when I'm going to talk about it. And this is the purpose. Then you get rid of that emotional weight and dread. But if you hold on to that emotional hot potato, it doesn't hurt anybody but you. And then you become resentful that you have this emotional hot potato because you didn't plan on when you're going to address the situation. And that has nothing to do with the employer. That has to do with the confidence and the, you know, the decision making of the, of us as leaders. So we resent our employees sometimes that they put us in a position to talk to them about something that makes us uncomfortable. That's where that courage comes in again. Okay, time out. This is, as a leader, we raised our hand and we said, I'm going to do whatever I can to get rid of, you know, anything that gets in the way of you being your best um, performance, offering your best performance. And that includes bringing things to your attention in a timely way so we both can sleep at night. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That was so well said. And that's the hot potato is a great analogy. And you said uh, the emotional hot potatoes, the way you get rid of them is you plan. Yeah. When am I going to have the conversation? Why am I having the conversation? And again, you got to pull that compass out and go, okay, what, you know, what, why am I doing this? Why is this important? Yes, it is important. I'm doing the right thing and I'm getting the right information. So I'm having a good, informed conversation. I have a plan. Okay, there. It's better. It doesn't get rid of all the emotion, but it gets rid of the, what am I going to do? What am I going to, oh, I hate this. Oh, I yeah, dread this. Yeah. No, Be, have some resolve. I think that's part of it with courage. You have resolve. You go, you know what? I got to do this. Or as we used to say, I got to put on my big girl britches. Just get it done. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just do it. And that's resolve. Yeah. Or big, big boy britches. I was getting ready to say big boy britches too. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So I love the way you distill this down. So, you know, get centered, plan, have the courage to have the conversation. Yes. And don't be afraid to be real. You know, another thing as leaders, we act like we've conquered all things and now we walk a straight line of perfection. Yes. Certainly we do in HR because HR, we are the people, people. Yes, we are <laughs> perfect. Yes, we are. We're, we're as close to perfection, I always say. <laughs> But the reality is sometimes we talk about difficult situations with employees and they feel like we are not human. And so we have to rule and say, you know what? I remember when I had a situation that I had to deal with and I remember how it made me feel. 
And, um, but I'll tell you that it's better now. And so I want you to know, you know, employee, that's going to get better when you make a commitment to a plan and you're willing to be flexible and make changes where you need to. But being real, we use the word transparency so much. And sometimes I go, what is transparency? What is It just means sharing when you've had a similar situation that made you feel uncomfortable and, and how you're willing and able to learn from it. That's all transparency is. Yes, love that. And, you know, it really requires in the prepare stage and in the centering stage is to actually get to a place where you believe that the person could succeed too. Yes. You know, absolutely. I think people, employers get down on, and I get it, but they get down on the employee because maybe they put off the conversation or maybe a lot has happened and it's okay to uh, point out bad behaviors or behaviors that aren't working and then you know having these encouraging conversations but they can't even see I mean I know for myself I have to see for my like for the family members I have to see that things could get better even while they're complaining and having trouble you know and that's that's an interesting place too I think that's probably part of the compass thing well, it definitely is, Susie. And, you know, we, uh, we've we been trained as leaders to problem solve quickly. We say, oh, I can read that situation and I, and I already know what the answers are. Sometimes we're not right. Sometimes there's one or two things that makes a difference. And so we really have to be willing to listen. And when we've planned and we've had a, a purposeful conversation, and at the end of the day, that person just says, I just don't see the problem in it, then we can feel confident about the the very stern decision that we have to make, which is, you know what, this isn't the right place for you. But if we haven't gone through that process and given them an honest way to participate before we tell them they can't play anymore, or as um, I used to say at a resort, we're going to promote you to a customer. And uh, <laughs> that was our nice way of saying, actually, you come us and stay anytime. <laughs> yeah, come spend your money here, but you won't be working here. <laughs> But, you know, we can do that with confidence if we went through the process. And many times HR departments get a bad rap because we go, they won't let us fire anyone. Well, as a strategic leader, we should say, we want to give everyone the same opportunity to correct their behaviors. If they don't, we have a process, but there's no shortcuts, no shortcuts to, to making those kind of life altering decisions. Yeah, that does take courage, but it's a beautiful courage and it, it comes with some wisdom. You know, having people like you who've seen it and done it, you know, can help people who are growing up as leaders mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have to practice this even not only in the workplace and with my family, because, you know, everybody knows I'm an HR person. I'm very black and white. It should yeah. be this way. And there was a situation that even came up last night that I heard about. I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to fix it. And I couldn't because I was at my gospel concert. So as soon as oh, I was on, I would make a phone calls, and I said, "Okay, what do I need to fix?" And my sister said, "It's been handled." And I went, oh, "It was handled without me. I mean, <laughs> without my wisdom." So you know, we we don't need to always rush in and fix things. Listen and wait, because that's how other people grow around us. If we have to rescue people all the time, we're not doing anyone a service, and we're not growing. But when we learn to sit back and listen and have some patience, and even in my nonprofit world, you know, we had to have a difficult conversation. And I knew from my core that this was the right conversation. And we were going to help the other person feel so much better by approaching the topic. And as soon as we mentioned it, she was so relieved. And so 
all the planning that went into, you know, she says this, we're going to say this, this, and this. We didn't even have to do it. All this, all that steam and pressure rolled right out as soon as we said, you know what, we'd like to talk to you about considering, you know, making a move that would probably benefit you and the organization. And she was so thankful. And so that tone changed completely. We were prepared, but we were relieved. And all of us walked away, you know, with a a virtual Yes, yes. And, you know, I think it's a mistake or an error in thinking when people think that if they're planning a lot, it's like, it's like anything like planning for a podcast or planning for a speech or planning for a training session, planning for a courageous conversation. I mean, there's a lot of planning that goes on. I mean, for it to look seamless and feel seamless. And that's a great example of that. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it that have it look easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, It does look easy, but if we follow our own quick kind of recipe, it can have some different flavors, just like a cake is never the same each time, but at least it's going to be edible cake that people will hopefully want a second slice, you know? So yes, yes, it is work and we have to plan, but we're working anyway, because we're working ourselves up and we're avoiding and we're working. Yes. So we can't even do the things that we normally are effortless. We're pulled back to that conversation that we don't want to have. So it's work anyway. Let's put our energy in the right place. Yes. So we can rest and be productive in other places. That's great. That's great. So you talk about psychological safety. And I think that the things that you've mentioned and how you have the conversation and solution-based questions and the calm, you know, the, the person having the conversation, how they start. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that are is crucial to psychological safety? Because that's what we're talking about. We're trying to create an environment where you can have a conversation and what is it? The crucial conversations used to talk about it as a pool of safety or something like you're trying to create the safety net. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Is there anything else you would add or have we covered everything around that? You know, I think we covered a lot. However, psychological safety is big right now. And it's another one of those squishy, soft skill things that a lot of leaders don't want to talk about because they think it removes accountability, but it really doesn't. There's a quote that I heard and it said, If a leader proves that they don't listen, they'll be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. And that's scary. And so psychological safety is just saying that you create an environment where people can tell you things and you don't react in a way that prevents them from telling you the truth. And so psychological safety is just saying, you know what, you know, manager, we made a mistake. And um, this is how we're going to correct it. But we want to talk to you about it. And we want to talk to you about what we're going to do in the future to prevent that. If you blow up when people say that, your employees are going to try to fix it on their own and cover it up and hope that it never bubbles up to you. But psychological safety is, wow, that was a tough situation. Thank you for letting me know. How can I help with that? And I'm glad that we've learned from it. And most things we can recover from, even big things we can recover from. So psychological safety is just making it easy for that employee to have that conversation with you. Yes. Yes. And so some of us have hotter tempers and hotter, hotter triggers, and some of us are a little bit on a slow burn. So what advice do you give yourself and to the leaders that you work with around being more calm when you hear bad news or how you handle it or just anything around that dynamic? Well, I went through some training. It was about communication. They said, how many of you think you're great communicators? And everybody raised their hand. 
And um, then, you know, we did a brief assessment. And I think self-awareness is so critical because we think we're really good at something because we do it a lot, but that doesn't give you the competency. That doesn't mean that you've developed competency. I think it's always important to do some self-reflective assessments. I mean, I love the ones that you do because I realize in my maturity, I may be weighing a little too heavily on one area. Where's my empathy? Where's my care of putting the other person's needs first? And so I think that self-awareness is so important and being aware of our non-verbals. You know, I have really practiced not saying triggering words, but my non-verbals scream louder than any word I could ever share. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. And we forget that the non-verbals. Yes. yes are yes. big. Because people forget what you said, but they'll never forget. That's Maya Angelou quote. But forget what you said, but never forget how you how they make how you make them feel. And yes. the non-verbals is what people pick up on. Yeah. So do you think it ought to be neutral? But you're very friendly in your face. So that seems like you would have great nonverbals. Yeah. Mm, I have no? great nonverbals when I'm happy or when I agree with you. <laughs> but if you tell me something that makes me mad, God forbid you tell me something where you're giving me feedback. I go, no, I want to hear your feedback. I want to be better. You know, I want to be a better leader. You what? I n- really? Oh. I'm seeing some nonverbals now. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching so, the video, you'll see yes, it. Yes. So, yeah. It's our self-talk though. It's like, you know what? I was not aware. My employees had to tell me one time, when we have meetings with you for the critical decision, we've learned to quit writing notes at the beginning because you process out loud. And I'm thinking, what do you mean I process out loud? I'm just listening to you. But that was honest feedback. So now I had to learn to say, ask them questions so that they're talking. And then we say, okay, let's agree on our path forward. Then they would start taking notes. And that got rid of a lot of frustration in our meetings. I had no idea I was frustrating them. I I thought we were, you know, interacting back and forth. And they were like, first she's this way, then this way, then this way. Because I do, I process out loud. Yes, yes. Some of us talk to think and some of us think before we talk. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But it's that self-awareness and it's understanding the blind spots, the tools that we did together with the talent insights, I think are good. There's so many tools out there. But that's the one I'm most familiar with. So I'm biased around that. I think I just did a large project with the company on 360 feedback. That And that has been very impactful for me. I feel like I get 360 every time I do something. I know you probably feel that way too as a, you know, in your facilitation role, but the, the, the feedback of everybody anonymously giving feedback about areas is huge. That's another way for self-awareness. Um, it sounds like you're very reflective and really open to feedback too. So like you caught it that they, that was like, oh, that was a, a blind spot or something I wasn't aware of and you adjusted. So just having that temperament is great too. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I want to think that I'm a great leader, but what I realize is I'm a leader who wants to do a really good job, but part of that has to be that I'm willing to accept feedback and the feedback changes depending on our environment and what we're dealing with. And so um, I'm quick now to say, you know what, if I'm not having a good day, I will take some time to get recentered because I don't want to negatively impact other people. You know, I want to be honest about that, but um, I work really hard to, hey, this is going to be a tough day. I think I'm going to need a bag of Skittles. 
<laughs> is that your favorite favorite uh i feel a little better now food no, those yeah. are my happy pills don't tell my husband <laughs> i keep telling him i'm a quit to eating skittles, yeah. but yeah you know you just have to have something that will remind you you know what it's it's gonna be okay whatever yeah. that might be or taking a quick walk you know at work or, or if you're working from home go outside my husband's always saying have you seen the sun today i go why i'm focused no take 10 minutes and go walk outside go walk in the backyard and then come back in. You've got to have moments where you can just, you got to give yourself a timeout because yes. we're not machines. We're not. We've got to pause. Yes. Going right back to what we started with, which is so wise about self-care, putting yourself first in that way in regards to, okay, where am I right now? Keep checking in. Yeah. Because we do lose a, lose track of ourselves. Yeah. Yes, we do. And we feel like we get a badge of honor when we're exhausted and we've had six uh, Zoom calls back to back. We haven't even had lunch yet and it's three o'clock and you work at home. You're ki- you can see your refrigerator and you haven't even gotten up to get a glass of water. The- there's no heroes anymore. No, because we want to help reflect balance so that we can make good decisions and come from a, a, a healthy place instead of a stressed place. We have to practice it ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. Be, be, be that which you seek others to be, you know, be it first. Yes, that is so great. Keeps going back to find your compass, find your compass. And then, you know, the, how it, how did you want to use your words? Have the honest conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that first honest conversation is with ourselves. Am I in the right mind frame to even have those conversations today? Am I angry? Am I still holding on to some anger and some bitterness? Or have I come for a circle and realized, remember the circle of control and circle of influence? There's what I yes. think. So influence and here's what I've of my control. Sometimes we have to go back to that as HR professionals. You know, we can't change the laws that have been enacted, but we can change how we respond to that. Yeah. And, and what does it look like in our own organization? So we can't yes. get lost in the I can't control it in the world spinning out of control. It's spinning pretty fast. So let's start with what you can, what do you control? Yes. Yes. That is perfect guidance. And you know, what you can control is what's happening right now from that other wonderful reminder of be here now, be where you are, you know, so I can control that. I can have a good conversation now. And if I have five of these good connected conversations in a day or 10 or 20, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is, it's a good day. And I've, I've impacted my world. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not letting all the stuff that's swirling around you. It's easy to get that way in organizations too, because there's usually a lot going on, you know, with the gossip and the changes and the structure. And, and then you do the world and your own family. It's a lot. It's easy to get distracted. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Life can just become burdensome. And when that, when that alarm clock uh, rings on a Monday morning or even Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sometimes you just want to bury yourself. But But we can have the courage because you know what? Someone is watching us and we're providing encouragement for someone else to be, to have courage. It's not enough just for us, but we need to be a catalyst to help create courage throughout the organization. And it happens one call at a time, one email at a time, one smile, one genuine conversation at a time. I know I sound like I'm a fairy godmother spreading rainbows, but it's just being being authentic, you know, be yourself, but, but be your best self. Don't be your, your bad self. We don't want that part of your authenticity. We want a self that's willing to reflect, as you mentioned, and say, what's one thing I can do different to be more effective today? Yeah. 
one thing, just work on the one. Work on the one. Yes. And all of that is courageous. Yes. Yeah. HR courage and leadership courage. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I experience you as someone who's very courageous and uh, very authentic and very fun, as I have already said, and has already been demonstrated in this conversation. <laughs> with uh, with your many talents, I know you, you had a t-shirt on one time when we were talking and it had something about human resources being, um, it was like uh, HR queen or what was it? It was, uh, oh, oh, uh, it's a cute to... Uh, I think what said I have a mouse pad that says HR Diva. Diva, that was it. HR Diva. HR Diva. Diva. Human resource yes. Diva. Yes, yes. And so, I, I also have a cub that uh, a mug that says Hello Gorgeous. I mean, I do everything I can to, and I, I don't think it has to do with pride, but it's about I choose to identify with the things that lift me up. Yes. And so I think that's important. Yes. And and what I loved about seeing that HRD, because it was so cute on you, um, but it was also just a reflection of your decision to take the position and love it, to become an expert in it as best you can, to celebrate it. And it's a positive pride, I guess I would say. You know, like you could say pride, like, oh, you got a chip on your shoulder, but maybe it's the pride that says, I own this and I'm happy mm-hmm. about it, you know, and that's, that's something you see in role awareness, which is something we measure in one of the tools, you know, so how does somebody identify with their role? How do they feel like they belong? And if you don't feel like you belong or identify, then it usually impacts your performance and you can see it on that assessment. Um, so tell me a little bit about you choosing human resources and training as a career and how you got to this place where you celebrate it. Part of it's your personality because you're just um, such a charismatic person, but some of that had to be developed along the way. So just tell us a little bit about your human resources and training journey. Thank you, Susie. Yes. Well, actually, to be honest, I wanted to be a pastor's wife when I was young and I was, I actually went to missionary school and then ended up getting sick and had to stay in the U S I was going to go overseas. And so I ended up in secretarial school and fast track. I ended up being hired by Kelly services to be a supervisor. I was a great temp and they said, Hey, how'd you like to come in house? And that was my crash course. I call it the boot camp into HR customer service, crisis management, employee relations, hiring and um, exiting people from the organization. But my best career experience was the first boss I had who saw that I had, you know, I was also a cheerleader. I I think cheerleading is very important, lots of transferable skills. And I was a captain. And I remember when someone you said, were. of course you oh, were, yes, because I was, I'm the oldest of six kids. Uh, my father's oh. retired Air Force. So I've got all the shoulds and oldest and all that stuff. Type A from, from birth. And um, I remember when when a career coach said, Pat, you have to take off head cheerleader off your resume. And I was offended. But I consider myself a corporate cheerleader because I do believe that we can do it, even when it's tough. But I remember my first career job. My my boss already knew that I had, you know, public speaking skills and I was still learning about HR. And he challenged me and he said, I want you to join Toastmasters. And Toastmasters forced me to learn the craft, to tailor my message to the audience, whether it's an entertaining message, an informative one, or when you have to 
lay out something, a new policy. So that really challenged me. And I had a couple of great presentations and I came back to his office and I was just bouncing like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. And I'm like, <laughs> I nailed it. I, I just did a great job. And he sat back and, you know, cause he had already heard that I did a really good job. And he, he looked across the desk and he said, so what could you have done differently? What's one area to improve? And I said, what a killjoy. <laughs> you not see how great I am? And he said, Pat, the moment you settle for what you think is your best is the day you'll quit being at your best. So no matter how good you think you've done, always look for a way where you could improve it just a little bit more. And he was teaching me to not get caught up in the hype and, and in my own head and say, thank goodness that went well. Now, next time I'm going to do things a little bit differently so that we can I can be more laser focused instead of just, you know, instead of just being all over the map. And he taught me the long game of always being reflective. What's one thing you can improve? Keep learning. Keep learning. I remember studying for my PHR and it was so hard. I told my coworkers I was just going to study for one letter at a time because I, <laughs> I was going to pass the test. Thank goodness. And actually... I got a job and it was contingent upon me passing the PHR. And they said, can you do it? And I said, absolutely. And I'd been in HR, I don't know, for maybe 12 years. So thank goodness I'd been doing the practices, just didn't know all the legal terms. And, yeah. and I passed, I passed the first time. And that was good for me because even though I was a practicing HR professional and I was a, a manager by then, I still had things to learn. And I had to build credibility. So it's constant learning. I'm going through a certification program right now through HRCI. Why? Because even though I've been in HR for over 30 years, I still need to learn. Constantly looking for ways to learn and learn from people who are younger than I am. That's humbling also. What? They know something different in HR that I don't know. That's interesting. But there's new, you know, people are learning new things and we have to be willing to embrace that. And sometimes sit back and go, wow, I'm amazed. Now yes. I'm the old person in the room instead of being that young firecracker. Now I'm sitting back going, okay, I'm learning some new things here. So that's, that's awesome. my journey. It's ongoing. And even though I turned 61 this year, I feel like I'm 40 because yeah. I'm just like, there's still so much to learn. And that's the energy that I bring to the HR profession. We as HR professionals have to bring energy to the workplace, not hype, because we need to have results and we need to make a difference. But if we don't believe in what we're doing, then we should be called the unhuman human resources because a lot of people don't like our profession. But when we're real strategic partners, we believe in what we say and we do what we say we're going to do and they see the results, we're willing to be in the trenches with them we become invaluable partners. And I'm so thankful for people who have appreciated and tolerated my contribution. <laughs> appreciated and tolerated. Yeah. So like the themes are, you know, what I hear is, you know, being an encourager, you know, like somebody who naturally likes to do that. So that's a really good fit. And if I remember right, one of your drivers on the motivators was social altruistic, which mm -hmm. is, you know, and so no wonder you wanted to be a missionary, you know, so you want to be of service. And then mm -hmm. I also remember, I think your top driver, if you don't mind me telling, which I don't think you do, so, or I wouldn't say it, is the individualistic political, which is that willingness. That's the charismatic 
charisma. It's mm-hmm. the minister that was your, your, you know, part of leadership, you know, and it's the leader. And then what I also hear so much about is learning, you know, just a willingness to learn and being open. Uh, and the last thing I want to mention is 60 is the new 40. Yes. I feel it. I feel it. And I love it. I love it. I love it. A little slower, but there's some real, it's very freeing. It's very freeing. So I I love my 60s. Thank thank God that I can see another year. So yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. And you, you, you could pass for 40. Yeah. With your energy and your, you know, and the way you come across and the way you look, I'd say you can sixty to new forty, yeah. And it's well, a wiser forty because you know all the twenty years from that. <laughs> oh yes, I was. Oh my forties, I wouldn't go backwards. I tell you that, but I, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Yes, yes. You know, just trying our best to live to reduce as much stress as possible. We all have stress at home, at work, in our social circles, but you know, we got to come back to why am I here? And and do we believe it? And are we looking for ways, like you say, to fill our tank with the right things? There's so much negativity out there. And I'm very protective of what I watch, what I listen to, what I spend my time on social media, what I allow on my Facebook. I don't, I don't allow all that negative craziness. Mm-mm. No, no, I'm I'm here. And even the challenging things or meeting people who have different values than I have, I can still respect them and respect their journey, which gives them a different perspective that I I've learned so many things. You know, we got to quit being right fighters and we need to become better understanders. So I don't know if understander is the right word, but if we understand more about people who are different than we are we realize that our hearts are really very similar. We've just had different paths that we would never walk, except we walk through those paths through other people's shoes. So I know it's hard to to spend time with people who are are not necessarily just like us, but we learn so much in our life is so much richer. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, if we're standing around talking to ourselves all day, we're not going to learn very much No, or become more. Yes. And look how small our world is. I mean, you know, I live in Texas and I meet people who have lived in the same city their entire life. And I go, you know, there's a whole world out there. But some people are very comfortable being in the world and going on a vacation here and there. But, you know, I grew up in a world where we moved every three years. I've seen a lot of the world, not all of it, but I've lived overseas and I've lived here. And there's a whole lot of great things to experience. Yes. Yes. Let's talk a little bit more about your career and let's talk about, talk about it via wake up eager. We've talked about some of it, but I'm wondering if maybe you have more to put on there. So wake up eager is what we talk about. That's the podcast is wake up eager workforce. And it's exactly what you're saying or similar to at least, you know, finding your compass. So how do you, what are some things you're doing right now for mental clarity? So mind, what are some things you're doing right now that are helping you for body? So that's physical health and well-being, and then spirit around family. You've touched on it, but let's kind of like capture today. What are you doing? Well, for my mind, you know, I'm going through a certification now in HR, which is really important. I'm also learning some new things in my new role as a leadership and safety trainer. I'm having to learn about safety and human performance. So I'm really excited. Human performance is 
what goes into how people make decisions about how they perform on the job that can create an unsafe situation that could get people killed or hurt. So I'm having to take my lens of HR and learn human performance. And I love it. And there's a beautiful marriage. And as soon as I get human performance down, that's going to be my next presentation because it's, it's in me and it's all intertwined. So that's for my mind, learning something totally new. And then, um, let me see, mind, body, and spirit. Well, I can tell you about body. So I've been working from home in virtual positions for the last three years. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in Houston, and I go to the uh, campus every day and walk 12 minutes from the parking lot to my... That doesn't seem like a big deal, but that's a big deal for me. I'm getting in so many steps every day. And then I have a couple of friends where we walk Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I realize you have to have physical stamina to have mental stamina. So I'm not not 100% there. Yes, but I do understand the commitment to better health choices and, and exercise. And then spiritually... You know, again, connecting with people with purpose. Um, It's so important to me, my faith walk and being surrounded by people who have um, similar goals. You know, I'm thankful my husband and I share our faith walk. And um, it's important to be to have that bucket filled um, because some things don't make sense. And if you didn't believe, if you didn't have faith that there is a higher purpose, it would be easy to give up. So that's really important to me and listening to people like Simon Sinek. I love Simon Sinek. I love listening to him. You know, the the circle of why. Why do you do things? Why should people even want to be around you? What are you doing to clarify your own why? I I love that stuff. I just read that stuff. That and I'm going to tell you what, football season. Totally out of I'm a footballaholic. Footballaholic. You all that. Go Cornhuskers. <laughs> so yes, there's the energy and I can transfer all those great stories of the athletes and, and break, put it in my own life. Okay, they have a commitment. How am I demonstrating my own commitment to what's important to me? So, you know, I, I love football season and I can't wait for it to start again. So um, those are the things that energy. I love it. I love it. That is, I learned something new about you today. That is so cool. <laughs> Yes. So we've talked a little bit about 60s and new 40, but what advice would you give your younger self? So like in your mid 20s, what advice Mm -hmm. would you give yourself? Uh, You know what? I tried to really kill myself by trying to be the superstar and to always volunteer for the extra projects that nobody else wanted to do and to um, stay late, get to work early, stay late. That whole, you know, FaceTime, make sure everybody sees how hard you're working. And I would say, don't be a a work martyr because nobody cares. For a moment, they go, oh, I saw your light on late. You stayed late. Oh, I saw your car in the parking lot. And yeah, you know, I'm working through all my emails. That really isn't the mark of of a effective professional. It's the mark of a professional with out of whack boundaries and priorities. Ah, yes. And and that didn't even count then what I had to do at home, you know, and yeah. I was raising, you know, three young kids at the height of when my career is really starting to take off and is like, do I volunteer to take this business trip or do I stay at home and and enjoy my kids, you know, and not not be away for a week. So, I would say don't try to be a hero. But our values and priorities are not our works, our employer's responsibility. It's our responsibility to be clear about what we want to do, be clear about the expectations, 
And if your expectations are not going to be met by the demands of the job, then be willing to get a different job because work still has to be done. If I didn't want to do that trip, someone else is going to do it. And if they're going to be rewarded, that's okay. We don't have to have it all at the same time. And when we prioritize ourselves and our families, it will always come back to us. I I remember stepping backwards in my career to focus off more on my kids and taking a job that wouldn't cause me to travel so much. And I remember taking, I think it was like a $5,000 pay cut. And I just thought the world was going to end. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. And I'm, I make so much more now than if I had just stayed and plotted along yeah. and, and suffered through that. And I, there wouldn't have been the rewards. I wouldn't have had the experiences. And now I'm much more aware. And I always knew that through my faith walk, that God would give it back to me if I made the right sacrifices. And it really wasn't as big of a sacrifice. I had to get recentered. What's most important, my role as a mom right now for my young kids or to be a superstar at work? Work is always going to be there. But yes. those kids need you in a very time um, select moment. And I'll never regret taking a step back so that I could leap forward later. Oh, that's great. I love that. Don't be a martyr. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nope. <laughs> they don't. Nope. They really don't. No. Uh, uh, if you could have built, put a billboard anywhere for the world to see, what would where would you put it and what would it say? Ooh. Oh, what would it say? You can. Because we can, you know, you've got to have self-confidence, but it's about that teamwork. And we all are able to, we're all able to accomplish things. If you believe you can first and you're willing to ask for help and do it as a team. So I can because we can. Love it. Love it. And then uh, we've talked about so many wonderful things. You have a great way of expressing about HR courage and many other things. But one last bit of advice or wisdom, somebody who's listening right now who is a leader or and or is in human resources would like to have more courage and be a champion of courage. What would you say? I think the greatest act of strength is admitting that you need some help. And I remember when I had to reach out to you, Susie, and I had a great job and I should have been happy and I wasn't. And I finally had to admit to myself, I need some help to get out of this. And you helped me so much. You challenged me. You did. There's no question. Trust me. There's no question. And you challenged me by not allowing me to have a pity party. (laughs) You said to me, you're trying to get something out of your job that isn't there. So where else can you meet that need? And that was so illuminating to me. And so I think the thing that I would say as HR leaders and as leaders overall in the organization, ask for help. It's okay. And and talk, don't, it's not your family. Talk to someone, talk to a professional, talk to a peer who is successful. Don't find another complaining buddy. Find someone who cares enough about you to challenge you and not allow you to settle in, in your own, you know, small mindedness, someone who's going to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone, get off your butt and do some work and work your way out of it. And so that's what I would say. We have to be a community of support. I mean, who would ever think that a woman from Georgia, and I've known you, Susie, since I think like 2008. Long time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. And you have stayed in my life, even though I've never met you physically. I feel like if I saw you at an airport, I would run towards you and give you a great big hug. Of course. We would. Yes. 
we've got to reach out to our extended community and it's okay to ask for help. You're not in it by yourself. You're not feeling things all by yourself. And even when we haven't handled things the best way, because trust me, I've made some enemies along the way and I've had to go back and apologize and I've had to have a lot of humility when I didn't want to, but it was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm a teeny bit stubborn. I call it spirited, but I am really <laughs> Just a teeny bit. I'm I'm Dobson's. My mom always says, you're Dr. Dobson's. Jace Dobson's strong-willed child. <laughs> that was me. She said, oh, I knew he wrote that book for me about you. And I said, I take that as a compliment. Yeah. But I realized that I was a very challenging child growing up because I was so... Why? Why? But thank goodness it really helped me. But but again, reach out to your community. Get some help. Get a mentor. Be around people who are willing to be honest about their journey. Nobody has a perfect journey, A to Z. It's it's unheard of. It's just what people are willing to share. And I think the best way to give one is to give you a peek into your own journey for ups and downs and have lessons. Instead of telling you what you should do, they help you discover what you want to do on your own. That's what I We're all perfectly imperfect. Absolutely. And it's okay. And it's it's okay. It's okay. Awesome. Well, this has been, as I thought it would be, a spirited, (laughs) beautiful, wise and courageous uh, conversation about courage. Uh, And just thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Susie. Thank you for everything you do to make a difference for each one of us. One conversation, one smile, one phone call at a time. You make our own world. You make us blossom because we know we can tap into you. So thank you for everything that you've invested in me to help me become the woman that I am today and still becoming. Oh, we both are together. And it's been my pleasure. Have a wonderful week. Some of my favorite thoughts from today's episode with Pat is this uh, superpower. We didn't refer to it in the conversation as superpower, but this superpower of being there with people. Uh, And she called it, said, be here now. You know, that we have to, when we're going to have these conversations, we have to make a commitment to eliminate distractions and make a commitment to focus and to be there and to turn everything else off and only be where you are in that moment. And that is a very challenging thing. So I just think that's a superpower. It's something that I have really worked on because I have a very busy mind and I did a lot of work around that with some different programs and I've done some podcast episodes on them. But this be here now thing is really important. And if you're going to have courageous conversations, being present with people, one of the things I studied was something called relational presence. But I love that Pat talked about that be here now and just, you know, the way she laid out a courageous conversation said, you know, I'm here to talk to you about something that we're both concerned about. And I want us to come up with solutions that we can work on because I want you to thrive in your job. So coming up with that warm, open, this is important. And even if it's a sticky situation, just saying, you know, I want you to be successful and I'm bringing this up because it's important. And then to get, and then this is where I always talk about the warm, open, and then state the problem. And, And Pat gets to it very well by saying, be very clear, get to the point quickly, explain this concern, the impact of the concern pause and then ask them to help you understand it. And so that 
comes into the discussion we had about taking the time to plan, to get very clear on how you're going to open the conversation, how you're going to state the problem or the situation succinctly and the impact of the situation, and then immediately going to the solution. And the solution is you not finding the solution, but you talking to them about what do you think? You know, asking open-ended questions and not being, and I love the, what she said, it was an analogy about not being the car salesman, you know, like, okay, you want the car, right? Let me sign you up for it. Uh, you know, so instead of the, okay, tell me what you think, how do you see this? And so, you know, we need to find out what they're thinking, uh, what do they want to see happen? What is the one thing we're going to focus on? And then, you know, how can I help you with that? And so uh, making a, the conversation, you have to do a lot of planning up front to be succinct and tight and be quick and a lot of planning up front to be able to sit back and listen and ask questions and help them discover what the solutions are so they're in it with you. So you've heard us, there's some podcast episodes I have around that WPSA, warm open, uh, state the problem. S is the, you know, talk about the solution. It's about them talking. And then the A is at the end saying, okay, what have we decided and when are we going to follow up? And it's, it's, you know, the final piece of the puzzle. So great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Pat's information and contact information is in the show notes. Go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash HR courage. And you can check out all the podcast episodes of the most recent episodes, if you go to wakeupeagerworkforce.com, wakeupeagerworkforce.com, all one word, you can see our most recent episodes, and you can also uh, get to our directory there. Love for you to leave us a review. If you've got something out of this episode or others, please leave us a review. Go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review, and it shows you how you can subscribe and how you leave a review on Apple iTunes, okay? So if you do that, let me know that you did it. I would appreciate it. Helps people find us, and I just enjoy having these conversations and these discussions and just appreciate you tuning in. If I can help you in any way, reach out to me at Susie at PricelessProfessional.com. Susie, S-U-Z-I-E at PricelessProfessional.com. So go out, have a great afternoon, evening, whatever time of day you're listening to this. Go create your wake-up eager life and your wake-up eager work and your wake-up eager team and uh, let us know how we can help you in any way. And thanks for tuning in. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources.